You are listening to the San Antonio Zen Center Dharma Talks. The San Antonio Zen Center is supported solely by donation, so that everyone can participate in our offerings and programs, regardless of income. If you are able, please consider making a donation to SAZC through the donation button on our site, sanantoniozen.org, or by visiting paypal.me slash sanantoniozen. Thank you for your practice and enjoy the talk. Good morning. Good morning. So nice to see everyone. As one of our members says, nice to be seen. Nice to be on the, on the right side of the dirt, as, as we say. I wanted to uh, say happy, happy anniversary. We weren't able to celebrate it last weekend, you know. But last weekend was a year that we've been here. We moved in August 27th of last year. It seemed like a Herculean effort, didn't it? And we, and we had professional help, and it still seemed still seem kind of massive. I think it really struck for me when uh, one images of Twain and Katrina taking the Buddha out the front door that we never opened of the old place. Like, wow, this is actually happening. This is actually happening. And it did. Case 20 from the Book of Equanimity, and it's uh, Jesus not knowing is most intimate. Master Jizo asked Hogan, where have you come from? I pilgrimage, I pilgrimage aimlessly, replied Hogan. What is the matter, the nature of your pilgrimage, asked Jizo. I don't know, replied Hogan. Not knowing is most intimate, remarked Jizo. At that, Hogan experienced great awakening. So this can actually sound a little familiar. Uh, we have the first case of the Blue Cliff Record where Emperor Wu is speaking to Bodhidharma and says, you know, who are you? And Bodhidharma says, in one way or another, no, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. It's normally presented as, you know, I don't know, not knowing. He said, no, it changes. Changes. So, as Shishin Wick says, I don't know could also be translated not knowing. Not knowing is most intimate. So, the nature of knowing 
right? We see something, and as some of you have heard me talk about in the Vasubandhu uh, and in the Abhidharma, we talk about the, the uh, seed storehouse. Right? So whenever we take something in, whenever we see something, whenever we experience something, our instinct, our, our innate instinct, is to run it through the catalog. If it's something we don't know, if we're not sure what it is or not, we run it through this catalog of everything that we that we know, that we've had experience with, that we've had experience with, and we come up. We look for matches. We look for patterns, right? so that way we can know what we're dealing with. So if I if I see a fuzzy critter with funny looking eyes that makes a, with claws, it makes a meowing sound. Even if I've seen this creature many, many times, very, very quickly, go through this process of trying to match it up to something I know. And I may come up with categorization that takes place. In one sense, that's useful, right? Especially if it's a mountain lion. Oh, so, you know, maybe this is not a cat I want to go up and try to pet. And what uh, Master Jesus was talking about here is that the, as, soon as, as soon as we know, right, as soon as we have categorized, we immediately put it, whatever it is, at a distance. We have a handle on it, we know what it is, so we can stop interacting with it. We can stop trying to figure it out, right? So we are no longer meeting it. And one of the great examples of this visually is in Hamlet, when Hamlet is holding out the skull and says, alas, poor York, I knew him well, right? So whenever we know something, it's only at a distance. We've, we've created this separation. You understand? It's something that is, we have created separation between it and us. We've categorized it. We no longer have to interact with it in a not knowing way. Another word for not knowing is actually mind of curiosity. Mind of curiosity, or beginner's mind, as Suzuki Roshi uh, talked about. You heard the story of the the scholar that goes to the Zen master, and the Zen master serves him tea. Has anyone heard this story before? So, the scholar goes to the Zen master. This is a scholar of Buddhism. Teacher's serving him tea and keeps pouring and keeps pouring and keeps pouring. And this tea is just going over, over filling the cup. The tea is going everywhere. 
what, what, what are you, well, quite a lot, what are you doing? And the teacher said, your, your mind is like this cup, it's so full it can't take anything else in. And that's what happens when we know, when we know something. We cease taking in any new information in that way. So it actually puts us at a disadvantage in terms of being able to meet every moment, especially if we are surrounded with familiar objects. There's no, there's no longer intimacy, a natural intimacy that arises in response to it unless we let go of our knowing mind and taste this cup of tea for the first time. I've had many cups of tea in my life, and this one is not like any of the others. I may recognize, the, may recognize it as green tea, but this green tea that I'm drinking now is not the same flavor, characteristics, as green tea that I've had in the past. So when I understand that, I can take a step back and appreciate this cup of tea for what it is. If I don't, I say, you know, feeling sleepy, I really need some caffeine. It exists to serve me in this world, in this realm, whenever I come from this way of thinking. You should only steep green tea for a minute. One minute. It gets bitter after that. Once, when I was at Tassajara, I, had, I was serving this Steve Stuckey's Anja, his personal assistant, because Anja had the day off. I had this really expensive, really expensive green tea at the Abbott's cabin. And this is stuff I had never made before. I'm used to matcha that we whisk up, this powdered stuff. And I steeped this stuff way, this expensive tea, way too long. It was awful. Mm -hmm. I just, I remember sitting there, it's probably about, 5.30 in the morning, thinking, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, this is so awful. And Steve just drank it. Like, uh, it's the first time. He wasn't cringing or grimacing like I was. You know, he was just drinking his tea. So he was meeting that cup of tea in a way that I couldn't, because I was thinking, I failed the Abbott. <laughs> He'll never want me to be on you again. <laughs> so, Shishinwit uh, continues and he says, We have certain twisted patterns, or tangled, as we say here. We have certain tangled patterns of behavior, but we don't see them because we're too comfortable with them. Right? So, even if it's something that we're not comfortable with, it's something that we know think we know, and therefore there's an element of comfort with it. Because we know what to expect, even if it's not nice. We know what we can expect. A cup of uh, expensive green tea to be really, really bitter if we steep it too long. In order to be free of these tangled patterns of behavior, we have to begin to see them cultivate awareness that trans transcends thoughts and 
knowledge. <coughs> so what we do is whenever we see this fuzzy creature with funny eyes and claws, we may say, yes, you know, there's a cat. We can also stop and well, I haven't met this cat. Shin-shin-ming, this is the great matter isn't difficult, as long as we're not attached to our preferences. So part of not knowing, setting those preferences aside <coughs> so that we can interact in a whole and complete way with anything, anyone who shows up, whether it's a, a, a breeze, good food or an unpleasant sound. We got to practice a lot with that at City Center because down the street from City Center used to be a Harley Davidson shop. So uh, these guys would come roaring past City Center on their hogs, setting off car alarms as they, as they, as they went through like this weird kind of wave, this audible wave passing through. You have to practice with the open pipes first, and then you have to practice with the car alarms. And then we got to practice with our reaction to it. So we have talked about knowing, and on the not knowing side. Um, one of the curious things that we have to be careful with not knowing, not to get hung up in not knowing, because whenever we do, whenever we take a stance on not knowing, it becomes knowing, and we end up right back where we started. So we have to not know about not knowing, you know, and it continues endlessly. The other, in another way, it can also become paralysis. Right? We can get hung up in not knowing to where we can't, like, you know, can't make a decision about that for lunch. You know, for example, on a very small scale. Uh, so we can get completely caught up in the, completely caught up in, in the place, in the absolute where we kind of lose track where we are. And forget how to care for ourselves and for others. And it can also become apathy, right? I think we've all known people that are in a situation, maybe it's a little distressing, and they might 
turns to somebody and says, what's going on here? Like, I don't know. <laughs> you know. And they just, that's also uh, creating a separation as well, too. There's no curiosity there. They're just kind of like throwing up their hands. Or we are, whatever. So interesting that this comes up in the context of, of uh, pilgrimage, right? That we think about a pilgrimage as going from point A to point B in terms of a specific thing. Like in the Buddhist realm, it might be going on one of the pilgrimages in Japan, for example, or going to India and going to the various <coughs> Holy sites. In Buddhism, that might be walking in the Camino de Santiago, it could be any number of pilgrimages. We can also look at this in terms of our life, our, our life as pilgrimage. Being responsive to our life. Being open to the many innumerable nuances that exist. so nuanced. Maybe some really difficult times. Sometimes it's where we need to not know the most. It's like, oh, this is, this is really difficult. I need, to, I need to be very careful. I need to be very careful. The other part of it is when Hogan says, I wandered aimlessly, that actually brings to mind the old uh, Yogi Berra, our Zen master, Yogi Berra quote where he says, you have to be careful if you don't know where you're going because you might not get there. So this is about you know, living our life with intention. somewhere. I'm trying to get to Fredericksburg. It doesn't help just to get in the car and drive. Right? To drive aimlessly until maybe I come across it. so sure that we know. Keep in mind that a statue can't move. There's no flexibility with that statue. 
the same root as status, stand. It all shares the, the same root. So just to come back every time, whenever we sit zazen, we may sit down, not even thinking about what we're doing. We may be thinking, I can't wait to sit. Or, gosh, you know, here I am again. You know, the zendo's not big enough for the both of us. very excited running out of the house that we get to hear a couple times a day. And each moment, each moment as if it's the first time that you've seen it. And when we're not, to know that. To know when we're not doing that. To know when we're saying things with a jaundiced eye. most intimate. And also knowing that we don't know is most intimate. Letting go of knowing and not knowing is the most intimate. Every moment. Minute by minute. Are there any questions?